Hello there. Welcome back to the Senate Podcast. This is going to be a quick episode. It's episode 32, I believe, and I'm on here by myself. So it's been one year since we started doing the Senate Podcast. So I wanted to just get a quick episode out about the last year. And it's 2023. You know, it's the end of the year. There have been some huge games out. We've had a lot of episodes. There's been a lot of movies out. A lot has happened. So instead of having one huge episode about a million different things, I kind of just wanted to make a simple video about the last year. So this is really the second time I've been on here by myself talking. And it's not as easy as having somebody else on here like Tony, the co-host, you know, to talk to. But over the last year, it's been fun. We've had many many guests on. Tony has had one episode. He did himself an interview. I had one awesome interview. We kind of had um, almost like an interview where we both interviewed somebody, the joystick. That was a fun episode. Um, We had a live episode. It was super fun, but it's been one year, almost exactly since we started this. And we're on episode 32, but we've had multiple... um, episodes with different parts to that episode and then just random videos that we didn't label episodes so really we're probably close to 40 or 45 videos total you can actually check that out on youtube so like i said at the beginning it's the senate podcast who knows how long the senate podcast will be around for because honestly if we keep wanting to put into this what we're going to do is we're going to rebrand it and i think we have a name for it So I'm going to reach out to some artists. I have somebody working on a theme, uh, a musical score for it. It's going to be fun because we want want to take it to the next level, but we we don't want to do that as the Senate podcast because the Senate podcast was always something that was just almost like a joke, just something fun for us to do. But if we want to take this even more serious than we have been, we're going to rebrand it and do something a little bit different. But Anyways, this episode is about essentially the biggest games of 2023. And, you know, game of the year is not really a thing. It kind of used to be with the VGAs, the Video Game Awards. Then that stopped and Jeff Keighley took over for TGAs, I guess you would call it, the Game Awards. It's a different uh, organization than the Game Awards. But essentially, you know, they're the nominees. You run through every category whatever whatever they don't really mean much but obviously games there's a game that will be come out as game of the year 2023 so who cares what wins each category or not we just want to get on here and talk about our favorite games so today it's just going to be me and I'm going to run through the biggest games of the year and kind of my thoughts and opinions on that who knows if we'll have an episode about all the nominees, all the categories. If you go back to last year when we talk about the 2022 games, we go in-depth, and we honestly just go overboard. So with this, I kind of just want to talk about, what is it, the top five games or top six games? Uh, Six, Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Those are the essentially six biggest games of the year, according to uh, the judges. Uh, 
the nominees are selected by a global jury of individuals from more than 100 media publications and influencer outlets. So I'm reading off of variety.com. I'll have it linked in the um, description, the exact article I'm reading from. So maybe I could go through these other categories real quick. I, I want, like I said, I want this to be kind of a quick video. Nothing crazy. I just want to get something out. You guys can see, you know, the Senate podcast, new episode, you know. So let's get into it. Obviously, the biggest category is game of the year. I just list the six nominees for it. I have played three out of the six. I've played half of them. I actually have Resident Evil 4 right here beside me. I haven't played it yet, though. I will not be playing Baldur's Gate 3, not my type of game. And Alan Wake 2, I'm eager to jump into. I just haven't jumped into it yet. So, let's get into this. As you can see, Nintendo got two nominations for Game of the Year. It's almost a given because Nintendo is just always going to have nominations or nominees, you know, for almost every category. That's just how popular Nintendo is and shows their quality. Honestly, I don't know if Mario Bros. Wonder should be on here. Not because it isn't a great game. It's fantastic. It's probably the best 2D game, 2D platformer, I should say, period, in the last 25 years. It completely, you know, redoes what you're, you expect for a Mario platformer. This is a fresh, you know, like a refresh to the formula like you saw in Mario, you know, Super Mario World way back when. There probably hasn't been a, a 2D platformer like this since that game, actually. So maybe that's why it's on here, but it is, it's a great game. I don't see it placing top three or top two or winning. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It's... It's an insane game. I could see it placing top three or top two. I don't really see it winning because both the games I just mentioned from Nintendo, Wonder and Tears of the Kingdom, they're actually sequels. Um, especially Tears of the Kingdom. Mario Wonder actually isn't a sequel. It's kind of like a reimagining of a formula. But still, I, I don't see it. And then Tears of the Kingdom is a sequel. It, it really just takes what the first one did what was it breath of the wild and just completely adds to it it reinvents it but it just multiplies everything that was in that game by a million and what's funny is every game on this list is a reimagining a remake or a sequel there's no original game on this so that's going to be an interesting conversation to see kind of game of the year is actually what's the best sequel essentially, or remake. There's two Nintendo games on here. I, I like both these games. Tears of the Kingdom was a kind of like a zeitgeist game. Of course, you know, it's a sequel to Breath of the Wild. It's going to be insane. Then you have the four other nominees. Let's just jump into Resident Evil 4 Remake. On Variety, they don't even have it listed as a remake. They just call it Resident Evil 4, which is actually misleading because it's not the original. So it is technically, you know, 
whatever Resident Evil 4, but it is the remake of the original Resident Evil. I've been playing Dead Space Remake. Dead Space Remake is incredible, and I hear that it is actually better than RE4. Now, I've watched a lot of gameplay and some playthroughs of RE4, not the entire game, but many parts of it. It's not really my cup of tea, the, the Resident Evil games. I think they're... I think Capcom has some of the best developers. I think Resident Evil 2 Remake, 3 Remake, now 4 Remake are some of the best looking and playing and, you know, you know, performance and highest performing and high fidelity games that you can buy. Capcom is is amazing when it comes to um, developing these remakes. So I actually think it should be on here now. Is it top six? I don't know. But is it worthy of, you know, being a game of the year? Yeah, definitely. I think it was one of the best games of the year. Who cares if it was a remake or a reimagining? It was a game that came out this year, and it was incredible. So I don't know if it's even top six. I don't think it'll get top three or top two or win, but it's a good choice to be on here. It was a stacked year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about some other games this year. Because you, it's it's almost like you can't narrow it down to six. But the six we have here, we're just going to go with those for the nominees. All right, moving on, Baldur's Gate 3. It's the most insane RPG, I guess, ever. Um, from ever, Just from everything I've been hearing about it, I don't know much about it. I'm actually going to look it up now. Obviously, I've seen a lot about it. I've heard a lot about it. Um, it's just not my... It's just not my thing. So, what I hear is that it is insanely um, intricate. There's so much that goes into this. I'm going to read here off of its Wikipedia under reception. Baldur's Gate 3 received universal acclaim according to review aggregator website Metacritic with 99% of critics recommending the game on aggregator OpenCritic. Okay. Critics praise the quality of the writing, including the detailed depiction of the Dungeons & Dragons setting of Faerun, the inter intertwined storylines, enabling alternate story moments and a large degree of player freedom, and the characters, particular, particularly companions that feel interesting and memorable. Critics also praise the production quality, including the voice acting, characters and facial animations, and detailed environments. The game's implementation of the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition rule set was well received okay this isn't a podcast about this game but um, it is getting like unanimous 9's and 10's out of 10's um, across the board so Destructoid 10 out of 10, Digital Trends 5 out of 5, Eurogamer 4 out of 5 Game Informer 9.5 out of 10 and so on. IGN, 10 out of 10. I know they, they hold a lot of credit there when it comes to um, Game of the Year, obviously. Um, I mean, it's it's getting unanimous, you know, perfect scores. Open Critic is 99%. That's that's insane. Um, I, if, I, if I use any of the um, outlets, I do like to use Open Critic the most. So a 99% is insane. I could see Baldur's Gate 3 actually taking you know, the best game of the year, 2023, but it's, it's not in my top 20. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Alan Wake 2. This game looks insane. 
I wish I could share somehow like screenshots or videos of this game. Just go look it up. But Alan Wake 2, absolutely insane. It's a sequel to, you know, acclaimed, you know, game Alan Wake. I don't know how it was received back in the day, Alan Wake. I wasn't a fan of the first one, actually. I don't know why. Maybe the mechanics of it, but the story and setting interest me a lot. So when I saw gameplay of Alan Wake 2, obviously I like the story and they just made this game so interesting um, from a atmospheric perspective with, you know, modern engines and modern, you know, technology, consoles, all that. The game looks incredible. It performs, you know, at 60 FPS, looks insane. The premise is very interesting to me. It's a survival horror game developed by Remedy, published by Epic Games, in the Northern Light Engine, single player. Um, it's it just released and it is, you know, it has this critical claim already to it. I think it only released a few days before these nominations went out. So um, I'm trying to find. It's wiki. Here we go. So, if we go to reception here, where's its open critic? Okay, Metacritic has on, has it on the Xbox Series X and S at a 94 out of 100. That seems to be its highest rating right there. Everywhere else, it's almost unanimous nines out of tens. A little bit lower than Baldur's Gate three. Um, that's the only reason I don't see this winning is because Baldur's Gate 3 is just you know it's reception is, is higher but I think next to Baldur's Gate it's going to be RE4 and Alan Wake 2 because the last game I want to talk about Marvel Spider-Man 2 this is the game I want to take the most time on so where are we at we're at 14 minutes okay for the rest of the time we're going to talk about Spider-Man 2 because I beat it I'm very close to platinuming it. I'm just taking my time. So I just want to talk about Spider-Man 2. It'll be spoiler free here for a little bit, but then I'm going to talk about some hot takes. So, so Spider-Man 2, PS5, Wiki, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the Wiki. We're going to go to reception. We're going to talk about how these things are being received because this is how they determine the game of the year. It's based off a panel of judges. So, And they obviously take the you know publications and and whatnot into consideration open critic it has a 98 percent. it's only one percent below Baldur's gate 3 which is actually insane so what is the open critic for re4 remake 98 so spider-man 2 and re4 actually tied on open critic that's crazy IGN holds a lot, so IGN gave RE4 a 10 out of 10, and IGN gave Spider-Man 2 an 8 out of 10. So that's gonna that's gonna cause it right there to not become Game of the Year, um, right there. So let's talk Spider-Man 2. The game is incredible. I think a lot of people are saying it is right, and comparing it to the first Spider-Man uh, PS4 from Insomniac. People are saying Spider-Man 2 kind of sits right below it in terms of story and execution and stuff like that. But when you talk about 
the mechanics and the gameplay, this blows the first one out of the water. The traversal in this game, you know, being... It makes you feel like Spider-Man like you never thought you would have before. Because the first one was interesting, you know, giving you the the ability to become the wall caller. But in this, you become the symbiote. There's a layer added onto it. You become Venom. You know what I mean? You are the wall crawler with all of his, you know, mechanics and whatnot. Just like from the first game. But they add a whole other layer, which is the symbiote. And of course, you get to play as Miles in this, which Miles, amazing character. He has so many cool mechanics himself with his Venom abilities and whatnot. So there's layers on layers in this game to where they take the first game with obviously the same New York map. You know, one of the developers made a joke. What did you expect? Uh, New York 2? No, it's the same New York, but they added the boroughs to it this time, which was awesome. It was cool going around uh, Brooklyn and um, Queens and, and, and stuff like that. It was cool going to the boroughs. And obviously they had to in increase the traversal mechanics for this. So you got the web wings. You got different uh, symbiote abilities and the venom abilities to just make your way around New York like you would have never thought you could have in a game, in an open world game like this. But Insomniac, they're amazing when it comes to, um, you know, movement and abilities and, and mechanics in games. I mean, think of games like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart or, um, oh my, what's, what's the one? Um, Sunset Overdrive, the mechanics in that. I mean, if you if you take, you know, go way back in the day to when they made Sunset Overdrive, what year was that? 2013? Um, 2014. So, go back to 2014, and you play Sunset Overdrive, it feels like what would become... Spider-Man, like the bones of the movement and mechanics from the Spider-Man games come from that. So they are known for their mechanics and, and whatnot. So the problem with Spider-Man 2 is not with the mechanics, not with the gameplay. It's with the characters, the setting, the plot, and whatnot. Um, I think the setting is amazing. I think they do a great job. Now, it's weird how you cannot pick... The times of day you want New York to be, so you're kind of really stuck in a in a more so nar uh, narrow, you know, narrative focused game than like the first one. You are really playing through a catered story in this one, I guess more so than the last game. But I like that. There's more going on in this game. There's in my they don't have that Sinister Six, but there there's more layers to the story and and in the plot so I actually like it I think they do a good job with it now going back to the just the game of the year discussion I don't think it's going to make it it might be top three or it might be four when it comes down to it but really I think it's going to be between RE4 Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate 3 and I, I don't think it's any contest because Baldur's Gate 3 is just going to probably sweep Last thing before we talk spoilers for Spider-Man, I want to check out Tears of the Kingdom Open Critic.
Uh, I don't see it on here for some reason. It's got a 96 on Metacritic. Uh, IGN pro- I know, gave it a 10 out of 10. It got 10s out of 10s everywhere. Game Informer gave it a 9.75. That's kind of weird. Just give it a 10. Okay. Tears of the Kingdom on Open Critic. Oh! 96? Okay. What? Okay, anyways. Open Critic. Tears of Kingdom got a 96. Baldur's Gate. Critic average is 96, but critics recommend 99%. Okay, so I see where they're getting that from. So, Tears of the Kingdom would be at a 97%. So, I, I almost don't see Tears of the Kingdom being in there because its sequel is so almost one-to-one with Breath of the Wild, except they just add a lot of new mechanics, and they have, instead of it being an, a one map, they have, like, three maps. They have a map above it and below, below it if you know what I mean, if you played the game, but it's still kind of seems samey. Same thing with Spider-Man 2. I don't think it's samey like I just kind of explained, but I don't think it's in the running. So, Mario Bros. Wonder, it's still samey, even though they have a very fun gimmick in it that switches up the formula, but it's not in terms of, you know, production value and, you know, a reimagining and improvement of mechanics, you know, the same as of Baldur's Gate 3 or Alan Wake 2 or RE4, especially because when Spider-Man 2 came out, there were some bugs in it that did hold it back. So I, I see, like I said, I'm, I'm going to say Baldur's Gate 3. Anyways, those are some of the biggest games of the year. I'll talk about Spider-Man spoilers real quick. So people have an issue with the story with Harry becoming Venom. I get it. I get it. But it's not like a TV show or like an animated series. You don't have all these, you know, episodes to flesh out an Eddie Brock character or to do something different with um, Harry Osborn. You know, like they even introduced Carnage in this game in a very, you know, early, you know, introduction of Cletus Cassidy through a side story. So they try to set things up in this. But they don't have all the time in the world. It, it This game doesn't really take that long to beat too. But they kind of keep it a more condensed story. Where Craven is hunting down. You know a worthy adversary. I'm not going to go over the you know the synopsis. But it's an interesting you know dynamic that goes between. You know Harry slash Venom. Peter slash Miles. And Craven, Where. It's these three, you know, beasts. You know, think about Craven. He's killing the Sinister Six, searching for a worthy adversary. Then he finds Peter. Peter can't, you know, isn't a worthy adversary enough until he gets Venom in him. Then he gets Venom. He becomes, you know, super powerful, but then he realizes, you know, the you know, typical story, he can't have Venom, so it's corrupting him, so he separates with it. It goes back to Harry, and then it turns into this beast that ends up killing Craven and turning the city into a symbiote, you know, hive mine. In the city, basically, the last act is a it's an alien invasion of symbiotes in New York. The, the last act is 
very action heavy and I think it's some of the best moments in the game in terms of you know story and action colliding because when you fight Venom in the symbiotes it is insane I mean you have some very fun moments between you know Kraven in between Miles and Peter, especially like when you're Miles and you have to fight Peter with the symbiote. I think that's one of the coolest boss battles. I think the boss battle with Lee when you're when Craven, you know, captures Lee and Miles and he has them fight to the death. I think that's one of the coolest story moments and gameplay moments. Fighting Lee as a boss battle was so fun. Craven was an easy boss battle. I don't know. For me it was super easy. Um, Venom wasn't that easy. But it was um, it was it was a very emotional moment. They they balanced the fighting, you know, the boss battles in this game with story moments better than almost any game I've ever seen. Like when you fight the lizard, it's like a twenty minute boss battle because you're going from the sewer up to the street, up to a skyscraper, then back down into the sewer. It, it spans, you know, all over the city, all over Harlem, I think, and it's just a fun boss battle. So. I really like what they do with this where it feels it feels not convoluted because it's not in a bad way. There's a lot going on and they they manage it very well. To me it doesn't feel bloated. I think a lot of people feel think that it feels bloated from what I see. It just kind of doesn't make sense. It doesn't tie together well, but I think the only issue with that is the pacing and it's hard to do that pacing when you're also trying to establish this open world game. If it was just a narrative, a narrative, um, you know, linear game, it would have, the pacing would have felt better, but then you wouldn't have had the open world that we all expect, you know, them to be in New York, you know, this open world. So I think you see when it gets into these linear moments, it becomes an absolutely amazing game, but then you stop and it's like, oh, here's a mysterious, you know, Mysterio mission. Here's a Mysterium you got to do. What? This doesn't really fit because Mysterio isn't in the main story. Or like the you know the Cletus Cassidy side missions. They're fun, but they don't fit in the overall story. But they kind of stop and they introduce Wraith. You know, they introduce what is it? Scream. You know, MJ turns into a symbiote and they kind of have this you know open world kind of moment that turns linear and it's like oh i want more of this but then you bang you go back to this open world so it's a balance that is is more so like are you a fan of spider-man in this game's you know formula if you are you're gonna love it if if you're not you know if if this isn't really your cup of tea it's just going to be like another PlayStation exclusive that gets in the upper 80s, low 90s that just misses out on Game of the Year. And we've seen that happen, you know, let's say 2016 or, you know, 2020. Um, what was Game of the Year 2020? Last of Us Part 2. So not really what I was talking about. I was talking about Ghost of Tsushima that year. But anyways... Um, what was 2022's game of the year? Elden Ring. So that was, I guess, a year right there where it's a God of War Ragnarok. It suffered from the same thing that I'm talking about with Spider-Man. Uh, I think maybe God of War does it a little bit better than Spider-Man 2, even though I really didn't like God of War Ragnarok compared to Spider-Man 2. But that might just be an extreme, you know, superhero comic book bias right there. But um, it, it kind of falls into more so 
the Insomniac PlayStation exclusive formula here instead of being a Spider-Man game. Because if you look at it and play it as a Spider-Man game, it's so comic booky. If that's if I can use that term, it's it is a comic book game. But if you look at it as this overall amazing video game, there's going to be fallbacks because they're trying to keep Spider-Man, you know, lore and Spider-Man characters and Spider-Man things in the game. So those are my favorite parts um, of the game. But I think in terms of a game of the year, an overall video game, it falls. Those are the places where it falls. However, this is a game where it is... I'm already calling it underrated. I think this game is going to be underrated in terms of its fan reception. You know, these outlets are going to give it crazy reviews because it's, it, it deserves it in terms of the what they accomplish. But when I, when I talk about it being underrated, I think it's going to be underrated in terms of a Spider-Man story. Like the Sam Raimi trilogy, Spider-Man 3... I think that's underrated in terms of a Spider-Man story. It's not the best adaptation of Venom, but I think it's a good story, but a bad movie. And I think this is going to be one of those games where it's like, people are like, oh, it's not as good as the first one. Well, I think it's a better Spider-Man story than the first one, but it's not as a better game, if that makes sense. Um, I think that's kind of what my hot take is for this with Spider-Man 2. I think it's an a, amazing Spider-Man 2 story with the Lizard. Amazing. Craven, Amazing. Venom. Amazing. It's You got some amazing villains in this. Um, and I'm not even talking about Doc Ock or Green Goblin, who are some of Spider-Man's biggest villains. But, you're, you know, they made a very compelling story with Miles, Peter, MJ versus, you know, a Craven inf- invasion into... New York and a symbiote infestation in New York. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's going to become, you know, in five, 10 years, we're going to look back on Insomniac Spider-Man 2 and say, wow, that was an underappreciated game from a story perspective when it comes to Spider-Man games and stories. Cause it, it was, it was special. It's a send off to Peter. They say that Insomniac says that in their games, Miles is going to become the main Spider-Man from here, you know, going forward. And I think Peter's, whole um character arc in this story is gonna is is underappreciated now and underrated now but in the future we're gonna look back and say that you know this what they did in terms of character development for some of these characters and overall story is gonna be looked at as oh wow that was actually pretty good because i think right now people are overlooking the story of this game it's it's actually great so that is episode 32 of the Senate podcast. Hope you enjoyed. It's tough getting on here by myself, but it's just worked out today like that. So hope you enjoyed me talking about some of the biggest games of 2023. You know, Dead Space, I think should have been in there over RE4. That's a personal opinion. Um, uh, 2023. 
Mario Wonder. And I, I see that sentiment out there, you know, on Twitter and in the ether that games like maybe a Sea of Stars um, or a Hogwarts Legacy could should have been in there over Super Mario Bros. Wonder. And, you know, I could see that. I think Jedi, Jedi Survivor kind of got lost in just the amount of amazing games we had this year. And then last but not least, last thing I want to say is Final Fantasy 16. I think Final Fantasy 16 definitely deserved to be in the nominees for Game of the Year 2023. I think you look at this list of the six official nominees and there is a big, you know, omission here, which is Final Fantasy 16. So, you know, we can take out and put in and swap places with, you know, games because there were just so many this year, but you know, this game was, this year was a, a year of amazing games, top eight, top 10. You know, I think this is probably the best year ever for video games. So there's a lot we can talk about. But anyways, my personal game of the year, that's a tough one. I don't know yet. I think it's too early to decide. It's November. We don't have enough time with some of these games. Um, so anyways, that's my take on 2023. You know, to the best of my ability here in these 30 minutes we had talking. So anyways, if you got as far, thank you for listening. What's your game of the year? What do you think about 2023? And yeah, with that, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for maybe a few more episodes of the Senate podcast. We'll see what we're going to do. But we're on YouTube, the Senate podcast. We're on Spotify, the Senate podcast, Apple podcast. And go follow us on Twitter. And Tony will be linked, my co-host. He'll be in the description. This article will be in the description, along with other episodes that you should check out. So anyways, thanks for listening. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. And this is the holiday season. So enjoy games while you're on these holiday breaks. And we'll see you back here next time for hopefully episode 33. So have a good one, guys.